You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hi parents, it's Robin McMahon here. Just before you dive into this episode, I want to invite you to join my new membership site for free. My site, which is at www.parent-toolbox.com, is the companion to my award-winning podcast where you will find game-changing tools and resources from me and from my expert guests who are among the top leaders in the parenting world. Join for free today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. Hey everybody, it's Robin McMahon here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. And you know that saying, preaching to the choir? Well, I feel like my guest and I are like that. We are so excited to talk to each other. In fact, I just recorded an episode on her podcast. Before I get into all that detail, let me tell you who I have today. I have Joanne Crone. She's a parenting expert who helps moms feel confident in everything from raising empowered, self-sufficient kids to dropping the anxiety and guilt out of modern parenthood. She's an accomplished writer, author, podcast host of the No Guilt Mom podcast. She's also a speaker, appearing in national media, and the founder of the parenting site, noguiltmom.com. Welcome, Joanne. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I am excited to be here. Oh, it's so wonderful to talk to you. And we just had a blast on your podcast talking about just all things parenting, peaceful parenting, like why this thing is so hard to do, why we struggle so much. Yes. Yes. And like my co-host Brie and I were talking, we're like, oh my gosh, Robin is so much fun. We just got to go and hang out and like have a social hour, do a zoom social hour. (laughs) I know. Right. It's so fun. And that's the thing. Like what I love about it is that what I love about you and your co-host is that look, parenting is sacred. It's so important to me. If we want to change the world, mm-hmm. we want to start with our parenting, like no, like period, end of story. And I don't see anything wrong with having a little bit of fun too. Like it doesn't have to be that serious, right? Like let's have some fun. <laughs> right. Like I think the best way to deal with stress is to laugh. And if you can't, and parenting is super stressful. Yes. So if you can't laugh about it, all that stress is just going to build up and then it's even harder to parent. Exactly. Then you're angry and blowing up and then, then you're caught in shame and, you know, saying, okay, I won't do it again. And then you miss out on all the fun. Oh right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I totally agree with you that changing our parenting is really the way to change the world. Um, like I was a former teacher, uh, and sometimes I'm like, Oh, I wish I could like go back in the classroom because the kids nowadays, like they, they need help with all of these yeah. skills that we're working on in parenting, you know, all the social emotional stuff. But if we reach out to parents and teach parents, these think like how many more kids will be affected. Mm. And I can't imagine, you know, as a kid myself, having like my mom or my dad, you know, come down to my level and say, Hey, you look really upset right now. How come, you know, how Mm -hmm. can I help you? It was like, get over it. It was, that was very much the eighties method of parenting. It was like, Hey, like get over it. And I mean, this was never said to me like the suck up and deal mentality. Like you need to control your emotions. Um, and that also went over into the workplace. Like when we first entered the workplace as women or as people, you're like, suck it all up, like hold it all inside and don't let anyone see you sweat. 
<laughs> and right? that's kind of our mentality. <laughs> absolutely. You're absolutely right. And in fact, it's, it's sort of what I've been working on lately is, uh, is to, to really work with companies to support their employees who have families because the suck it up and just get over it at work is causing burnout. It's also reducing product productivity. And we're looking at 43% of moms who are, are leaving the workforce because the work environment just is not conducive to, to support them. Right. And they have skills like, let's be honest, as moms, we know, we know what we're doing. Right. And we have these great soft skills as well that make us great leaders and companies are losing out. So they they are. And we get stuff done. Like, uh, I mean, I left the workforce. Um, I left teaching when my son was born, who and he's my second child, because I knew that when I had two, I couldn't manage my job as a teacher in the classroom um, while taking care of my kids at home, just because, you know, kids, they need to be picked up from school at a certain time. Uh, um, like they need that help with their homework. There isn't like always those after school activities. And then when COVID hit, like I can't imagine the teachers who were still at schools who are still at schools and having to deal with the daycare struggles and the keeping kids at home and then not having anyone to help out and then not having the social like support. So like, oh, I'm so, I can get so fired up about the workplace with women because all women need is they need the flexibility and oh my gosh, the amount of things that we could get done is unbelievable. Yeah, flexibility and also to be transparent and say, hey, look boss, Mm -hmm. I do have two kids that is a big part of who I now am and a big part of my life now. And if you want the best of me, you're going to let me take them to this appointment. You're going to let me take them um, and pick them up because I need to and not hold it against me and not stop me from getting my raise and my promotion because I need some flexibility because I'm going to be more dedicated and more productive and will stay longer, which will save you money in the long run too, because I'm not exactly going to have you have more turnover. Oh my gosh. I'm so like, I get fired up about oh, it. My, well, and it's the <laughs> same for men in the workforce. Like I look at my husband with his job and my husband is like super productive from home. Like he loves it yeah. because no one's popping in to like yeah. ask him to like take a meeting or like asking him a question. He loves it. And yet his company is like, oh, people aren't productive working from home. You have to be in the office. You have to tell us where you are. And I'm like, when are we going to change this for families? Like when, when, when is it going to happen? <laughs> You gotta trust your people. You gotta trust you your got people too, right? Yeah, it makes you feel gross when you feel you aren't being trusted. Gross yeah. is the only adjective I have at the moment, but yeah, I mean, and I used to work in a corporate environment too, so I understand. And I happen to be one of a very, very small group of people who got to work from home mm-hmm. at the time. It was, you know, anyway, lots of reasons why, um, and it was amazing. But the the you know when we would go into the office, it was like, oh, you guys are actually getting any work done like must be nice to go shopping during the day and you know whatever like is you think that that's what I'm doing here's my workload let me show you what I'm doing right yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no just like being attuned to people's needs and feelings like I think it's just a worldwide thing and that when we in parenting when we switch our parenting to really be in tune with our kids needs and feelings I feel like we're we're kind of teaching the future and we're like starting that change of thinking about what people need and how we can support those people and then see them really 
achieve their very best or like be their very best. If, take all the achievement out of it. I know achievement has a very, it's a du very double-edged sword uh, because of the stress involved with that, but just to be happier. <laughs> Absolutely. And we and that doesn't mean less successful. In fact, it's better for the bottom oh. line, the happier your your employees are, and also the happier families are, it, that's better for the community. And it's better for the economy, right? Mm -hmm. So it is just, it just makes perfect sense. And I, I am on a one woman now, maybe two women. Mission I will join. I will join your mission <laughs> to make this like the go-to thing that you need help. The company will pay for it in your parenting. You need support with your mental health. Yep. The company is going to help you with that too, because it just makes good business sense. Oh my gosh. So yeah. good. Or and we're going off topic, but we haven't even started yet. So whatever. Right. Yeah. I know. And, yeah. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what, one of the things that creates burnout and overwhelm is the fact that as moms, I think we spend a lot of time doing everything, doing mm -hmm. everything. And we're not just doing everything. We're thinking of it ahead of time. We're making the lists. We're doing the shopping too of the things. And then we're coming home and we're, then we're doing all the things too, right? From putting the groceries that we've just made a list in our heads, gone to the grocery store to get, now we're putting them away, re rotating the, the groceries, you know, we're putting the old in, in front and all that stuff. And we're exhausted. And one of the things that I love, which we have in the parent toolbox because you're amazing and we just love you so much, is the happy parent checklist. So this is your creation. And the what it says is how to stop doing everything yourself and make your family more responsible. Hello. Yes. Yes, yes please. Okay. So like, how did this come about for you? Like, let's just talk about this guide because it is so awesome. So it... I, when I was growing up, I watched my mom like do everything. She had a full-time job and then she came home and she was responsible for all the meals and all the cleaning. And like, she would just collapse at the end of the day, be completely tired and exhausted. Um, and I saw that growing up and I love my mom. And I remember telling my mom, I'm like, just like, why don't you go do something for yourself? Why don't you like go to the gym at your work? And she was always like, no, I have way too much to do. I don't have that time to do anything myself. And so I grew up with this mentality that as a mom, like if I, when I became a mom, I would basically have to say goodbye to my social life and goodbye to like doing everything. Uh, and it scared me. It scared me completely yeah. so much so that like my husband's like, when are we going to have kids? And I'm like, hold on there, hold on there. Uh, and I wasn't even sure, uh, until I saw it modeled by, uh, one of his cousins. And I'm like, wait, these parents, they're like here, they're working together in their home. Uh, they're teaching their kid how to help as well. Like, this seems like something that I can get on board with. Mm -hmm. And so when we had our daughter, I, I had to do a lot of work. I mean, not, not physical work, but a lot of mental work on myself. I had, I had postpartum depression because again, I had all of those feelings that I had to do everything. Yeah. Um, and through therapy and through a lot of conversations with my husband about equal roles in the family, um, the, my defining moment came on Christmas Eve where I was just exhausted from taking care of wrapping everyone's presents. My husband had like a huge presentation at work and December was just a huge month for him. So it was me doing all the Christmas preparation mm. and 
and the birthdays, my daughter's birthdays in December, my birthdays in December, all the holiday parties in December. Uh, and my mother-in-law on Christmas Eve gave me this book and I've probably heard of it. Fair play by Eve Rodsky. Have you heard of this book? I haven't heard of that. Book. Okay. Oh, it's, it's a good one. So fair play by Eve Rodsky. And I was reading it on the couch and she was just talking about this like mental load that women carry with them. Um, and how like, it's not fair. And I was just reading it and I was just sobbing mm. because everything she wrote about, like just spoke directly to me. And I'm like, mm. this has got to stop. It's got to stop right now. Yeah. And I called, um, my family for a family meeting. And I talked to my husband and I'm like, we have got to split this load because it is killing me. And I don't want to do it anymore. And that was like the first, like boy, like the first kind of journey, the first part of the journey into this work yeah. about helping moms really take off their overwhelm. And so what I found is that a lot of people tell us that it's chore charts and it's being more organized and it's being more consistent and it's following through. And it's really none of those things. What matters the most is your relationship with your family and how you communicate your needs to them. Uh, and yes. that's the big one. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what a lot of us as women, like and people, we were never taught how to do, uh, how to communicate it in a way that First of all, it doesn't make other people feel ashamed, which is a really, really hard thing to do when you're overwhelmed, because when you're overwhelmed, you, the whole world is on your shoulders and you just look at everyone. You're like, you are not pulling your part. You are making me do all this work. So it's incredibly difficult. So with the happy parent checklist, the first one, it's an acronym for ha happy is an acronym, which I like love. I do <laughs> love the first an acronym. Is, I love acronyms. They make it so easy. Uh, the first thing is to have your priorities to know what, okay, what do I like to do in my house? Um, what do I need to do to take care of myself, to be really happy as a person? Um, and also what's the most important thing in my family? Is it getting things done or is it like having a really good relationship with my kids? And I always say it's having a good relationship with your kids. <laughs> yeah, it's not having a clean kitchen every night. It's playing with your kids, right? Yeah. It's, or it's like, it's just even talking with your kids or having your kids be able to open up to you without fear of like shame or that they're doing something wrong, or even just to have that relationship where you can share your feelings with your kids mm. and they, they know what they can do to make it better for you. They know how to support you. And it comes from a really good relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's the H of the happy. The A of the, the happy is to appreciate your kids' concerns. And I think we dealt, we went into this a lot when you came on our podcast is just finding out, okay, like using these things called, I notice statements. I notice that, you know, your, the dishes have been left on the table after dinner. What's up? And figuring out the reasoning behind them, because a lot of times as a parent, we make assumptions of our kids' behavior. Oh, they're lazy. Oh, they're inconsiderate. Oh, they think we're going to pick up after them when really those are judgments. 
it's the, their judgments. And that's not it at all. Like yeah. as an example, we had a hard time getting our kids to remember to unload the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as I think a lot of parents could like with dishes is a chore. It's like, okay, when are you going to do the dishes? When are you going to do the dishes? And when I asked my son this question, the, his problem, it wasn't that he's lazy. It wasn't that like, he didn't want to do the dishes, but I mean, who really wants to do dishes? Like right. no one, um, it was that he just forgot. Like he, he couldn't yes. remember to do it on time. And so when you appreciate your kids' concerns and you ask those questions, you then could define the actual issue instead of right. operating off your assumptions. Yeah. And then you put him down, you yell at him, you tell him all the ways he's doing it wrong. Right. And yeah, then and you're that like, doesn't solve it. Yeah. And you can realize, oh, you mean you just forgot? Oh, sorry. You just forgot. Yeah. And so then it becomes a totally different conversation. It's not like, oh, you're so lazy. It's a, okay, well, what are some strategies that we can use or you're willing to try to help you remember? Because we all forget as adults. And what are some strategies we use to remember? Exactly. Exactly. Problem solved instead of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also in that conversation, we went to the, the first P of happy, which is process your own concerns. Because I had to really figure out um, it why I wanted the dishes dishes unloaded at a certain time, because I'm like, mm-hmm. is this my thing? Like, is this an arbitrary thing, or does it like how does it affect me? And what I found is that I it's annoying when I'm cooking dinner and I look in the cabinet and there's no dishes there because they haven't been unloaded and I have to close the cabinet and I walk over to the dishwasher I have to hunt through the dishwasher for that dish take it out. It's it it just gets on my nerves personally. Yeah. And so explaining that to your kids and the reasoning behind it so that they could see, oh, okay, my behavior is affecting somebody else. Right. It's so important. Right. So, so important. So that the P yeah. is process. And then okay. the, the next P is problem solve. I like that one. Problem solve. Yeah. <laughs> you define it and then you process your own emotions and then you work to solve the problem together. So once my kids knew my own thing, then they're like, okay, well, how could we do this? And the problem solving strategy, the problem solving that we ended up coming to is that we did a habit bundling where my son likes to watch Roblox in the morning. And so he's like, okay, well, when I watch Roblox in the morning, I could have it on the living room and then I'll unload the dishes in the kitchen. Perfect. And that makes it sound so much simpler uh, that it was <laughs> like coming to that was a back and forth between him about like, okay, like yeah. what do you do in the morning? Okay. What are you willing to do with that? And so it was a messy process, but when you know those things, when you know your problem, when you share your concerns, you can then problem solve to something that you could try, see if it works. And then you can come, come back to it later if it doesn't work. And I think it's what you're doing, but it's also what you're not doing, right? You're not uh, assigning a negative label to your child. You're not taking it personally because it would be very easy to say, well, he just, you know, he doesn't care about the fact that I have to make him dinner. And he's so ungrateful. Look at all that I do for him making him dinner. And he can't even put the dishes away. Right. Um, Which is the narrative sometimes. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Right. Fair enough. Right. Because we always go to that. But then also, um, you know, we're, we're listening to our kids too. We're giving them a voice. And I think at the core of who we are, well, I know it at the core of who we are, we want to be heard. We want to be listened to and acknowledged and appreciated. I mean, that is huge. And I know that that would have made a huge difference for me in the way I was raised. 
Mm-hmm. So like, how beautiful is that? And that just solidifies and grows that relationship because it's rooted in trust and communication, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. It just grows it. And so then kids aren't like just doing chores just to not make you mad, but they're yeah. actually learning that, Hey, like, here's how I'm helping my family out. And they're building the skills for like the future when they have to take care of their own homes or they have to take care of their own things. Like, how do I not forget something that I promise that I do? So it's all, it's all sorts of wins. Yeah. Okay. That leaves us to the why what's why what's that all about? Yield the work. That is where you start taking stock of what your kids can do uh, without reminding, and then look at the chores that they do, but they need to remind in like constant nagging about and start taking those apart one by one and doing the same process and figuring Mm -hmm. out, okay, well, how can we make sure that this gets done on a regular basis Uh, and then stepping back and letting it go. (laughs) Oh, is that part of the process? (laughs) Not be hovering and controlling and uh, checking and checking and rechecking. Yeah. There is a great book called duct tape parenting by Vicki Hoefel. I love it. And she's all about like sticking on that metaphorical duct tape, like put it over your mouth, strap yourself Mm -hmm. to the chair, let your kids do the thing and don't get involved because Mm -hmm. that's the only way that they're going to learn how to do it themselves. Totally. Totally. Yes. And we usually jump in and want to do those things because of our own feelings, right? Yes. We're uncomfortable because it didn't happen on my timeline. It didn't happen the way I wanted to blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Exactly. I, I struggle with it too. I mean, I was just like the other day in the kitchen and I was like, the cat was meowing and like the dog was just looking at me with sad eyes. And I wanted to be like, okay, has the dog been fed? Have the cat like, yeah, and yeah, yeah. my kids were getting to it and they look at me and they know my stance on it. They know, like, I need to step back. They're like, mom, I got it. I'm like, I okay. love that. Okay. How cool is it that your kids are like, no mom, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. They're they like, actually, oh. We talk a lot about nagging in our house and I'm like, I don't want to do that. And my 12 year old daughter's like, well, then don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. I bet your 12 year olds do. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I bet your 12 year old says that (laughs) as a 12 year old will, as a 12 year old will. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that is incredible. And thank you for, um, you know, for giving us this, this guide. Uh, I, I know that parents will want to dive into it, pull it apart. And the whole point is, is that it's relationship first, right? The more you have that relationship, the more likely they are to listen to you, the more likely they are to want to help because they feel secure and they feel respected. Right. And that is yes, what we like, that's, that's like parenting one-on-one, right? We've got to respect our kids. Right. And not, you know, and, and like you said, like, they're not doing things because they, they're afraid of us getting mad, which is really ruling by fear, you know, by parenting mm-hmm. through fear. And we don't want to do that because then, then what do you have left, you know, when you're, yeah, old I, enough? I know a lot of moms have said like, well, my kids don't do anything unless I totally lose it and like yell at them. And so they think it's the only way and it's yeah. not the only way. And yeah, that probably does work to get things done, but it doesn't work for a long-term relationship. Yeah. And there are, there are other ways to approach the situation that we just haven't been taught. I mean, there's no shame yeah. to moms out there who are yelling. It's just like, you're doing the best you can with what you know. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I echo that a bazillion times. It's not your fault. Mm -hmm. You just don't know. And how should you know? How should you know? We, gosh, I say this too much. Everybody who's listening, I know you've heard me say it before, but like we, you know, like how long did you study to, to become a teacher? How long did your husband study for his job? Oh, but here's humans. We'll give you those for free, free and clear with no instructions. And we always say that about the baby, like, oh, no instructions. Ha, ha, ha. But for the rest of their life, and by the way, we don't just want to have them until they're 18. We want to have a relationship with them forever, for as long as possible. I know I Mm -hmm. do. I don't want to just like kick you out and never see you again. I want to travel with my kids. I want to, you know, go for dinners with my kids, have them here, go there, love their spouses, love their kids. Like I want it all, you know? Yes, exactly. Exactly. We, um, we just interviewed Ned Johnson and Dr. William Stixrud, the writers of the book, Self-Driven Child. And they just have a new one coming out that just came out. But one thing they said, it's like stuck with me. It's like the time, uh, your relationship with your kids as an adult will be longer than your relationship with your kids when they're kids. Oh, oh, I love it. I love it. Of, of course. Yes. Yeah. So it's like always keeping that in mind. Like what kind of relationship do you want with them when they're mm-hmm. adults and when they can choose if they hang around you, like you want them around you. And how many adults do you know now who have no relationship with their parents? Yeah. And and I guarantee you that parent never dreamed when that baby was in, in, in her tummy Mm -hmm. that they would grow up to have no relationship with that baby. Like that Mm -hmm. is heartbreaking. Yeah. None of us want that ever. No. So no. Okay. I'm going to make a really awkward transition because (laughs) I want to just talk about your book. So you have a really cool book that I think we, you know, talk about things that we don't actually teach, right. Um, is, is really, you know, we don't teach some of these skills like, well, how to really be social. I don't even think Mm -hmm. we know it enough to, to know how to do it ourselves. And so your book was released in July of this year. And it's called Me and My Friendships, a, gu- a Kid's Guide to Making and Being Friends. Okay, so tell me about this book. I want to know all about it. Yeah, so this is a book. It's written for ages six to nine, but I, I know that older kids have enjoyed it as well. And it's all about those social skills that, well, I wish I would have known when I was a kid. I was a very awkward child, especially in middle school. And then going into high school and going into college. Like I, I felt so shy. I didn't know like how to make people quote unquote, like me. Like that was my concern. I just wanted to be liked, which I think everybody does want to be liked. Yeah. And you see other people and they have like such an easy time with it. You're like, what is wrong with me? So I wanted to write this book for kids to like show them, like, there's nothing wrong with you. There are just certain social skills, uh, that you can practice and you can get better at, and it makes it easier to, um, make and how, and to be a good friend. And so that is like my passion behind the book. Uh, it's like written to my kids. Uh, I was like writing my, a lot of my son's, uh, things that he told me about school. They're used as situations in the book about like, you know, hypothetical things that happen between kids, but just to show kids that it's okay. Like you can practice these. No one is perfect at them. And, uh, here, here's exactly what you can do. I love it. Can you give me an example of one of the, um, the tips 
for kids where they sure. get things wrong? So like one thing that I struggled with as a kid was making eye contact. I didn't want to make eye contact with people. I felt it was very, I felt looking back very vulnerable and a fear of like really being rejected. Uh, mm -hmm. And eye contact is one of those things that makes you appear assertive, makes you appear strong. Like it shows that you're interested in the other person, especially when like they're talking and you're looking at them instead of like mm -hmm. looking off in the distance or looking down at your hands. And so I teach kids about, okay, like eye contact is good because people know you're listening. They know you care about them. And if you feel uncomfortable making eye contact, you can look right above, like right in the space between people's eyes because mm. they can't tell the difference. Hey. Uh, so eye contact is a big one. And then um, the whole thing that you need to be the most interesting person in the world to make people like you is just completely mm. false. It's completely false. You don't have to go into situations worrying what to say or what to do really all people want is a good listener. They want to know that they're being listened Aww. to and that like you're there and you're paying attention to them. And so I teach them the listening skills about how to be a good listener, how to like reflective listening and mm -hmm. repeating what they say, uh, and those things, because that could really make a difference in a friendship when friends feel heard. Yeah. Oh, that's really, that's really beautiful. My goodness. <laughs> And what's really going to help is when you listen to your kids, which shows them how to listen to their friends and, you know, listening is so big. Like we got to listen more and talk less. Yes. <laughs> In yes. general. <laughs> A friend of mine says that her husband always tells her like, you have two ears and one mouth, use them accordingly. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's so good. Oh my gosh. Well, Joanne, thank you for everything that you are sharing with my beautiful listeners. Um, thank you for writing a book like that too. Um, I'm going to put all of the details in the show notes on where you can get the book. Why don't you give us a shout out for where they can get it right now? You can get it on Amazon or um, any of the major retailers websites, Target, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Walmart. It's all there. Okay. And everything about you is at noguiltmom.com noguiltmom.com and you can find me on instagram at noguiltmom really it's noguiltmom everywhere so that's how you can find me now gonna be instagram friends because yes uh, i just think you're the coolest so <laughs> it's mutual <laughs> so much all right joanne thank you for your time today and uh, and thank you for for helping to take some of the weight off of us as moms because we need it nobody needs a burnt out mom because then that's really bad. Yes. No, <laughs> so it is. it's in everybody's best interest to support us. And, and dads too. Look, this is not just about moms. It's dads too, you know, just the family. Right. And it's you really know? just about us supporting each other too, and supporting our own need, like recognizing that our own needs are valid and yes. how can we make sure we get those met? Um, as well as, uh, teaching others to respect our boundaries as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we got to talk about one last thing. I'm sorry, just because we're talking about this and you were mentioning them. Hamper. Hamper. They are, they're a, pardon? Yeah, Hamper. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, agreeing. yeah. yeah. Sorry. I thought I heard something different again. Um, <laughs> but Hamper it does your laundry for you. It's like you said, the Uber of laundry. Yes. Um, and I, they're not a sponsor of mine. Maybe they will be now, but no. <laughs> Um, honestly, like somebody can come and pick up your dirty laundry, bring it back folded and clean. Like, please. Yes. Please, isn't this like that. 
the service like all of us need. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. I love it. They're a really like small um, women-led company too. And they're expanding oh, right it. now, I know in the US. I don't know about Canada yet, but yeah, yeah it's oh amazing. There are two things that kick my butt on a daily basis. One is dinner. Like, what are we having for dinner tonight? Yeah. I know I need, I know I can plan better. I know, I know. And I do, but still it just kicks my butt. Oh, I have and things then, to say about that one. You don't have to take care of all the dinner because you have teenagers. You have teenagers. I, this is true. I yes. also have the most wonderful husband. I will, I will say yeah. he's wonderful about it, but we still do the like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then we walk away because we can't decide. And then we're like, wait, we never, we never decided anyway. And laundry, it's like, okay, I finally get to the weekend. I want to just chill because all I do is talk all day, right? And uh -huh. like, you know, and then it's like, oh, I've got to do laundry. You know, oh, yeah. it's like, no. I'm so. going to share a little dirty secret about the laundry. So even though I'm using hamper, my kids are not. And they have to do their own laundry because <laughs> oh. I'm like, I am not taking that away from you. You're going to, you're going to learn to do laundry. It's my gift to you, kiddos. It's my gift to you. And my daughter comes back and she's like, so is Hamper looking for any 12-year-old influencers? <laughs> oh, that's adorable. That is adorable. I love it. Anyway, I just feel like it was this was a public service announcement. Yes. For all those burnt out moms. That's really what it is. Way to go, Hamper. Um, I love, I love what you're doing. And if you're in my neighborhood, uh, you've got a new you got yeah. I like the idea of my teenage boys doing it, although. I feel like maybe I should do it for them because we no, let that go. Let that go. You could let okay, that one go. I'm going to talk to you later. I'm Put it all in later. cold, all in cold. They're going to be fine. Gonna... <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. Thanks again, Joanne. And, uh, and all of your infos in the show notes too. And you just are a delight. Bye <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and peace.